Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Dr. Z. Welcome to the ZDog MD show. All right, today we have something different. We don't have a medical person, but this is so relevant to what we're going through right now with COVID-19 and everything we're doing uh, in terms of having our kids at home. And it's very congruent with stuff we've talked about on the show about social media, screen time, and those sort of things. Everything from the work of John Hyatt, which I've talked about, and other stuff. Because today I have John Hyatt, who is a uh, producer and director and has just created this documentary called Screened Out about what these devices are doing to our brains and our social fabric and our psyche because it's a grand experiment we're doing. And I normally hate documentaries because they're always super biased. You guys know I spend a lot of my time ripping these you know, documentaries, a new one on this show. But John's documentary was so well done, I saw an early screening of it, that I had to have him on the show and talk to him because what he's kind of highlighting is so important, not just for our kids, but also for ourselves and our society. John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. You're in Toronto, the home of my favorite band of all time, Rush. I just want to give that a shout out. Right, right. And rest in peace, Neil. Yeah, man. Oh, speaking of which, now, Neil Neil Peart was a guy who, when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of that music, and it was all about sort of these clever lyrics and technical skills, and it, for some reason, had an emotional punch for me. And that was with headphones on or listening on a boombox or something. It wasn't scrolling through 10 seconds of a YouTube video or a Facebook clip or something like that. You had to mm-hmm. actually give art kind of all your attention in those right. days. And now things are changing. So what was it that, you know, kind of first put this on your radar to do a documentary about screens and their effects? Sure. And to add to what you just said, you know, they used to make albums where you listen to one side, you know, like, so you, they, they made them to listen to like site A and then B, you know, yeah. it was just kind of like flicking around on Spotify or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so what, what brought me to make the film was just really looking at my own kid's screen use. And I think most parents can relate to taking the iPad away and their kids flipping out. And you're like, why do they keep flipping out? Like they're not flipping out about anything else. Like when you stop playing outside with them or anything else, like why just screens? Uh, and then I was, I was down in Florida, funny enough, talking to my brother and he's like, well, I'm, he has four kids. Mm. And he said, uh, I'm reading this book. It's about uh, childhood screen addiction. And I started looking at it and we were going to make a horror movie at that time. Like I was moving into that, area and then i said no this is the film right here like what it's doing to kids uh what's what screens are doing to kids and then i took a step back and i said wait a second i'm looking at my phone 150 times a day like on facebook on instagram like this is not just about my kids you know this is about all of us 
So that's that's what got me into it. It, it makes perfect sense because what you said initially, which is you, you take the thing away from the kid and they melt down in a way that is legendary. It's not like no. you took a toy away or you took something away. To, it's a existential meltdown. And it actually reminded me when I saw it with my own children and I just saw it actually today because I have an iPad Pro that my oldest daughter, who's 12, wanted to use this app called Procreate to draw for uh, for school, a project she's doing. And I said, you know, you've been abusing this thing. You've left it on the floor. I suspect you're like creeping and watching YouTube videos. You can't have it, okay? I'm gonna keep it for mm-hmm. this week. And a 12-year-old meltdown now, it, it reminds me of babies that are born addicted to heroin because their mother is an abuser. And the kind of just, ah, that you see, it was a very mm-hmm. similar thing. And it gave me, and, and when I saw your when I saw your documentary, I felt it again, like you said, you see it in yourself. And you're like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this documentary. First, I'm gonna do the slot machine pull of Facebook to see how many likes I have. And then I'm gonna go to Twitter mm-hmm. to see who's making fun of me. And it, I'm straight addicted. Is that the conclusion I, you came to too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, they, they're playing off this kind of, uh, you know, we have, very old, I mean, we, the paleolithic brains that we have, you know, are, are there for purpose. Like dopamine's not bad. People are like, oh, I'm gonna dopamine spike. It's like, there's nothing wrong with dopamine, right? Like when we were in case, you know, you saw berry, like you, that was a good, you get a release. Like, wow, you found berries, great. You know, we, we need dopamine spice. But um, what these app creators and basically social media and gaming have figured out really well, like slot machines is that you can, you can play upon that and you can give those rewards in excess. Um, and that's, you know, when we talk about depression and uh, problems with anxiety, it's because we're burning out mm. on these things all day long, right? We're getting so many rewards from these these devices that we, we really can't process it. What what you said about the dopamine hit, I think you, re- you cover that very well in the documentary. And it's this idea that it's not so much the action itself that gives you the dopamine, it's the anticipation of the reward that gives you the dopamine, which is why social media has designed its interface in a way that creates that almost slot machine-like intermittent reward. So, you know, you pull the thing, your email refreshes, you get nothing. You pull it a few minutes later, the email refreshes, you get a boom, you get a little connection, a little burst of dopamine. And then you want to- Exactly yeah. right, exactly right. You want to do it more and more and more. And the thing is, look, I so what I liked about your documentary is like, well, so what's the problem with this? Humans have said this about television, they've said this about computers, they've said this about, you know, the printing press when it first came out. What's right. different about screen, the kind of devices we're using now? And that's what we address in the doc, right? Like that's when, you know, people, the Beatles are going to make you crazy. You know? <laughs> they like, did. And the Beatles, you know? Um, I think these all were all different. And Adam Alter, uh, who's in our doc, uh, NYU professor, said it very well. I think that these, you know, pinball was never, you know, calling out to you to come back and play it again. You know, comic books weren't, you know, pinging you mercilessly all day to keep to keep going, right? And you'd also have an end point to these things. You'd get to the end of a comic book and then you put it down. When you have a feed, it goes on forever. And they're all designed this way, right? They're all designed. So that's how we know it's an arms race, right? Because one person does it, one company, and then they all follow suit, right? Because they know it works. Um, And you know, same with video games and how they're rewarding the kids' pathways, Um, especially in these open world games that just go on forever with no end in sight. Mm. So, you know, these are all like major issues that have to be dealt with or, you know, 
we're using these screens. So I'm like, you know, and I don't say in the, in the doc, let's stop using Facebook or right. stop using them altogether. But we really need to limit, especially our kids' uses of these things when they're, you know, especially when they're in an open world game, because they'll never get off them. Like that never ends, right? So, so what I love about the way you approach this, and I think it's important for the audience to know, is that there are specific aspects of this technology that are designed in a way that are, that are, for, for lack of a better term, it's addictive. You never mm-hmm. want to let it go. And you nailed a few of them just now. One is the bottomless feed. Another is the open video game. And so my children, they don't have access to social media, but they do occasionally play these open video games where they're collecting dragon eggs or whatever the heck it is. And I tell you, <laughs> it is a never-ending thing. And so we actually... Because I, this has been on my radar for quite a while, and I've talked to my audience about this quite a while, which is, I think, why your team also had connected us, because we're very much aligned on this as a potential danger. We're not Luddites. We don't think technology is bad. We think, no. I mean, you and me both are benefiting from social media. And and honestly, I no. couldn't do what I do. I started in 2010 trying to reach people without, it, it's a social media enterprise. So in a way, telling people, hey, don't use Facebook, it's... um. It's shooting myself in the foot, but it's also not exactly right because we couldn't do good in the world without this technology. But it's the it's the aspects of it that make it um, so damaging, especially. And I think you talked about adults, and we see it in ourselves. And I reckon watching your 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 um, documentary, it was weird, man. At one point, I actually picked up my phone and I had an impulse to throw it as hard as I could against the wall and just smash it forever. And it was it was crazy because I have enough, like I, I, I practice a lot of meditation. And so I watched that feeling arise and I was like, how amazing that there's enough in this documentary emotionally that connected with me that triggered my fear response that I wanted to smash this thing and take the consequences of it because I knew, oh my God, it's a $1,200 device that now I have to replace because I can't work. But Right. It, it it tells me that there's something viscerally true in what you're saying. Now, again, the documentary is not fear-based. You actually then back up and say, well, here's, okay, here's the evidence. Here's what Silicon Valley is doing. None of these are bad people. They're all just have a business model that means you make money from getting people's eyeballs on the thing. And so right. you, you game it. Well, yeah. And I don't think, you know, I don't think when, you know, the executives of Facebook made it and Instagram, they're like, hey, you know, let's drive up the teen suicide rate. You know, <laughs> they're not... They're not thinking like that. They're just thinking about how much money can we make on this. And but the the issue is with the platform is it needs to, you know, monetize your attention and bring you on there at all costs. Mm. And this is the real problem with it, right? Mm. That they know how long you're spending on there as well. I mean, maybe in the future, you know, they could try notifying you, you know, you've been on this too many times today, get off it. Mm. But I mean, they're not gonna do that, right? Because it shoots themselves in the foot right now. But if it grows a backbone. Um, maybe that's something that would be put into the social networks. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what, what you kind of talk about too is the effect on young people. So young people, especially generation, the iGen, and you had the author of that book on your documentary, which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah, really, really great. Uh, because their digital natives have only known devices since they were young. Unlike millennials, actually millennials span both. Us Gen Xers have a foot in both worlds and I remember the transitions. And when you talk about vinyl, I resonate deeply. In fact, I named my clinic turntable health not not because i was like you know z dog md because that's really dumb although i'm not beyond that it was because 
healthcare itself is is an analog thing and the 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 way you describe talk you know uh, consuming analog music is the way we started this conversation with rush right i would put a record on i would have my friends because it was a pain you know it was a whole ceremony and there's a smell to it it's multi-sensory you often do it with others it's beautifully imperfect in that there's crackles and pops and hum which is just like the human experience and you're there in a flow state with that piece of art instead of just jumping back and forth with earbuds listening in a subway away from everyone else and i think with little with kids now they don't know a world where this wasn't a thing and so we have to be aware that this is new technology it hacks our social wiring in a way that weaponizes things that like bullying that didn't exist when we were kids. When we were kids, you had to bully someone to their face. You, you know, you go home and you could escape it. Now you go home and it's there on Instagram and it's there on wherever the platform is. It right. follows you. And, and there's been no oversight on any of this, right? Like this is the issue: is that this technology's come out. We, just, we celebrate it. It's great, and we don't really ask any questions. There's, you know, and I'm not for regulating the internet or any of that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think I'm, you know, I think there should be freedom of speech, but. I think that we need to step back. I mean, look, we have we have TV. These are uh, public, you know, institutions, television, and there's there's a strict you know guidelines on them, mm. what you can and can't do. But then you have these companies now that are just absolutely massive, that you know, no one's there's no there's no guidelines for any of it, and 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 how these children now are learning how to navigate them by themselves. Mm. You know, teenagers are having to figure all this stuff out. You know, there's no guidance. There's no studies being done. And we're actually supporting um, the Camera Act, basically, which is now looking into, you know, first government study really looking into the effects of screens on kids and it's taking this long, right? So, you know, we really need to take a step back and look at, at what's going on and, and what we are doing to children specifically. And you're right, going back to what you're saying about the analog experience. When we look at kids, uh, nowadays, they're just playing on iPads at three or four years old. They're missing out on all the sensory activities that they really need to be doing at the time just by clicking on stuff and realizing they can get this easy reward pathway just by doing this. And it just gives them this all day long, hmm. right? They don't have to go and, and figure something out to get that reward. And, and that can be very dangerous in the long term. You know, Rick and Morty just did an episode on this, one of their newer episodes where, uh, you know, they Jerry tries to get the kids to go camping, say, and all they want to do is stare at their devices the entire time mm -hmm. because that's an easier reward than going out in the wilderness and roughing it with your dad. And I can see that allure, you know, and, and so what what's interesting, in, in the era of COVID, now where we're all at home, this has been accentuated because you have children now that are getting all their information through their devices, their parents aren't talking mm. to them about COVID, they're becoming more anxious and the social contagion of worry that affects adults quite profoundly is affecting children. And we even hear reports of children self-harming because they've been isolated from their friends, they're not going to school, their activity has been limited, they're stuck in the home potentially with abusive parents sometimes that normally right. they had a reprieve from. And so even so now even this has become even more acute, this uh, screen issue. Have you seen that in your own work? Yeah. And, you know, people are like, is this documentary relevant because of, you know, COVID-19? Absolutely it is. And I think it's because in the, the film, we're not talking about, you know, Zooming your grandparents. We're not talking about your kids FaceTiming their friends or doing their schoolwork or, you know, doing a yoga class. Like we say in the doc that these devices are very powerful tools mm. and they're very important for our lives right now, um, especially during COVID. That's why they need to be used responsibly. Um, 
So, you know, when your kid's alone at home, yeah, let him FaceTime his friends, you know, mm. let him reach out in that way. That's, that's why they're good. You know, my wife um, put on a, a YouTube video of like an art class and she put my kids around the table, gave them all drawing stuff. And for like an hour and 20 minutes, mm. they drew all these beautiful pictures. Like what a great way to use the technology, mm. right? I mean, and, and that's what we should be looking at this technology to do, not just put this kind of, you know, passive technology in front of our kids that has like set algorithms that just, you know, set them down this road, this predetermined road. Mm. Um, so, you know, they, like I said, they are fantastic uh, tools and we need to treat them as such. Yeah. And I think in healthcare too, we've seen the advantages of telehealth, but we also know that the in-person visit is very powerful and important. And like you said, figuring out not to be a slave to these algorithms that I think even the tech giants don't understand. They've created these algorithms that are now self- sort of actualizing and so they send us down these rabbit holes in your video in your um uh, documentary you can see where my i'm almost like these little tiny videos and you actually make a nice piece of art that's requires your attention and actually holds it quite 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 well um in, in your video you actually talk about oh, well so what can we actually do so there are a few things that i thought stand out one thing that's interesting is that silicon valley tech executives send their kids to schools that pretty much minimize or ban screens. They themselves right. limit screen time. Why? Because they know, they're not, it's not like they're trying to take advantage of the unwashed masses. It's just like they've seen the, the the potential damage. Now, you know, whether there's any nefarious stuff, I think it's very hard to show that, but I think it's more that they understand the risk of this thing. So limiting screen time is one simple uh, mechanism, correct? Yeah, absolutely, uh, limiting screen time. So I could tell you what we do with our own kids even during COVID. So, you know, they have to, you know, do things around the house. You know, they have to get up in the morning, they have to make their beds, mm. they have to do their schoolwork, they have to have a certain amount of play time. Um, you know, there's just a wax up they have to do through the day, and then they can earn their screen time. So sometimes we even give them four check marks. And then around four o'clock, they might get an hour of screen time, hour, hour and a half of, and some of that's educational, mm. right? So they'll go do that, then they get off and they don't freak out, they have their dinner. You know, we play a board game and they go to bed, mm. right? Um, and we find that that's enough. For myself, um, as you know, making the film, I got off Facebook. Like I couldn't regulate Facebook for myself. I just couldn't. I, I deactivated my account. Mm -hmm. And you can just sign back in. So you can put your email. You can go back to Facebook.com. You put your email and your password in. And then it just logs you back in. Yeah. And then I found like I was just like mindlessly doing it like some kind of a zombie. Mm. Uh, and so I, I said, you know, I'm just going to deact like sort of delete it. And that was really tough for me. Um, I deleted it. And that's like, you know, 12 years or whatever it was. Mm of stuff, you know, likes and friends and all this. Um, and it was very difficult at first, like the first two weeks, I, it was like withdrawal. Mm. Like, what did I do all in the name of a film? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, losing all my connections. And I realized I didn't lose any of my connections. I still talk to everyone who's important uh, around me. But, you know, I don't think that people have to do that. Um, you know, my wife didn't do that. But, you know, I think that, you know, you need to, I think people should do a little test first. I think, you know, on a Sunday for three hours, turn your phone off mm -hmm. and walk away and and then look in at all the feelings that you have i mean you're into mindfulness you know that it's you know it's it's looking at the, the thought process in your head and all the internal dialogue that happens when you when you do something like that so it it tells you to go back to it that's the worst part it's like you know go just check the weather that's innocent go turn, and it does and you'll start playing these games with yourself right um but start doing that try that out and do it small like all good habits you build it has, it has to be done very small right there's a great book you can read as well called Atomic Habits, if you haven't read that. He's, the author's great. But he talks about that. If you're going to build a new habit that's good, start small. You know, Don't try to do it every day. Don't throw your phone out the window. 
on a Sunday, give yourself a couple hours with it off. Next Sunday, try four hours, you know. They may be at a, you know, a Tuesday afternoon or, you know, things like that. Or try device-free dinners, uh, device-free afternoons, you know, just put it down. And even tell yourself, too, that, okay, I can still check my social media today, but I'll check it between 4 and 5 o'clock. It can yeah. wait. Yeah. I'll check it all between there and turn up all the notifications. So there's things like that that work. Yeah, brilliant. And and there's so because you shared your story, I'll share mine. So And I actually made this a thing within our tribe of uh, followers on Facebook and YouTube. I feel dirty now even saying the names. But, um, you know, it, came to, it became clear to me that I was hopelessly addicted. My children were starting to model on me and my wife as well. And uh, we said, okay, how about this? We're going to do a thing called Screen Free Sunday. We made it a hashtag. And we went hard. We said, okay, on Sunday... We are going to not. We're going to. We're going to wake up early. Get all any work we need to do. Any emails, just answer them right away. And the rest of the day is screen free. And initially, the children were in open revolt um, because it meant TV too. Like, and and then we started to tweak it a little. We said, okay, we can watch TV together as a family. We can watch a show or a movie together in the evening. But the day right. is going to be spent with each other, being mindful. So paying attention to when we have a craving for the phone, going, oh, look, look at look what my mind's doing. It's going, check your email. How interesting. Watch that little sensation. And then the more you watch it, like you said in your video, I love that you put meditation at the end of that video, it disappears. <laughs> or it comes back a little bit, and then it's weaker, and then it comes back again. The more you can watch your mind, the better it is. Now, what ended up happening, we've been doing it for months. I've started to cheat a bit because I'm a hopeless addict, and I make a living on social media, which means I've had to reboot it and go, no, Screen Free Sunday is legit. My kids refuse to give it up. So it's gotten to the point where they look forward to it because they know they have unadulterated parental attention. They have board games, they have playing, they have our, I'm not looking at the phone. And so we told our oldest daughter, well, you can, you can have a reward, you've been really good with violin, this or that, you did this great performance, what would you like? We can like delete a couple screen-free Sundays if you want, you can just watch TV or do what you want. No, no, I like screen-free Sunday, no, 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 no. I want something mm. actually meaningful. I was like, what? So the truth is, this is not a hopeless thing. The other thing that you mentioned in the documentary is just like ending anything that has a bottomless feed, just don't do that and batching stuff. So like batch all your emails at this time and that time. And actually you can even have an autoresponder that says, I only check emails from here to here. That way people, you don't freak out that people are, you know, angry with you. There's so many ways to skin this that are helpful, that actually take advantage of the technology. And that's what I like about your documentary. And again, before we got, went on, we were kind of talking about what makes a good documentary and what makes a bad documentary and how much I hate mm -hmm. bad documentaries. This is a right. great example of a good balanced documentary that makes you feel something, gives you rational solutions that are bright spots doesn't demonize a group or class of people um, or give you a black and white answer and that eliminates 99% of other documentaries so I really think people should watch um, screened out it's brilliantly done thank you very much yeah and you know it's, it's not thing making a doc right because there's so much information especially with this topic like we could have made an entire documentary on you know data and privacy but we just like touch upon it a little bit and I think you know there's gonna be some backlash of they didn't go deep enough on this or provide enough solutions to this. It's like, you know, this is not a course to mm. take. Mm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a film that raises awareness to the issue. And we're hoping that this film, as well as other films that I know that are coming out, um, and, you know, in, in government movements and, you know, in grassroots movements to actually do something about this issue, kind of bring it to light. So it's just it's a drop in the ocean of what we really need to do. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to mention that I think, I, it was touched on in the film, but not 
I think this is something that we could go into depth in a follow-up or, or in another interview, is the effects right. on young girls in particular. So Jonathan Haidt, the psychologist and, and others have really looked at this. The increases in anxiety, depression, suicidality seem to be out out represented in young girls. And the theory is partially because their form of expressing social violence. So boys just punch each other in the face, bully each other physically, but girls bully each other in a social relational way. And social media, Instagram, Facebook has weaponized that, Snapchat has weaponized that in a way that they can hurt each other from a distance 24 seven. And it's no, no comment on girls versus boys. It's more a comment on how are we wired and how can technology hack that wiring in a way that's malproductive? So my feeling is we should not be allowing our young girls or boys, for that matter, keep it equal, right, to have social media. There's not a good reason to use it, in my mind, and this is my own opinion, until they're laid into high school or something like that. There's just no reason. Um, you can have a device, but you, you can't have social media, and that's our policy with our kids. Well, there's, uh, you know, Screen Strong, Melanie Hemp, who's in our film. You know, she talks a lot about, you can check out her stuff on screenstrong.com, but mm. she talks a lot about delaying, just delay, 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 Yeah. right? And she, she also looks at the idea of, okay, well, you know, if you're going to have a phone or social media account or all these things, you have to be a certain age to even have a phone, right? You got to be 18 years old. Mm. And, and so if you're going to be 18 to get a phone account, if you can pay for it yourself, then you also have to be an adult to do that. So, you know, you got to be you know, making your own breakfast, doing your own laundry, like being responsible. Like there's this huge check mark before you can have adult things. Mm. So maybe we should start treating the social media like an adult thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they have to have a certain amount of check marks as you know, adult in adulting um, before they get something like this. Um, I think that's important. And yeah, I think that, you know, weaponizing it for young girls is, yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. Mm. And, and I will say, you know, it, it just doesn't stop at young girls. I mean, if you look at pylons on Twitter, you know, and uh, over really anything, you know, I think it, it's this kind of faceless, nameless way just to, you know, it's, it takes no effort. Mm. To, to join up with a group of people and just to go on the attack and it makes you feel good, like you're part of a group, you know? Yeah. It's this kind of, yeah. You know, the in-group, out-group thing is very powerful. Uh, the Coddling of the American Mind is a great book uh, that really dives into the, particularly the in-group, out-group stuff on Twitter and how it's become a game of scoring social media points instead of finding truth in discourse. And so it's about villainizing and demonizing the other instead and the out-group. And actually, if you violate and you betray your own group, you are canceled on Twitter. Right. And the thing is, look, man, you know, to kind of bring this full circle, we're, humans are these beautiful social tribal creatures that evolved over millions of years to be relational, right? It's not about the, the, the you know, the meaning of life, it's the meaning within life and within our tribe. Now we've come up with this really cool technology that allows us to connect in ways we've never, never dreamed of, but it hacks this ability of relationalism in a way that can be extremely dangerous and damaging. And Twitter and social media with kids and adults and this fear of missing out and all the other things that are our drives that are taking advantage of this are great examples of that. When, again, when I watched your documentary and I, I hemmed and hawed about watching it because I'm so busy and people send me stuff all the time, the minute I started watching it, it quickly pulls you into this realization that this is something we need to pay attention to, we need to have policies around, and we need to be mindful of. I think that's the key thing. Be aware. Uh, and, and you said it, we have to raise awareness. And when I hear raise awareness, I'm always like, oh my God, it's another, you know, go, yeah. you know, yeah. march. Another thing I gotta be aware of 
yeah, yeah. It's like I'm already aware enough. I'm woke now, but this is very. You got to change my diet again because of a documentary. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, I mean, what the health, bro? Come on. <laughs> but, you know, they're. Uh, you know, it's funny when you look at. You know, we didn't even put this in the doc, but you know, talking about the echo chamber itself and what that's doing to us. Mm. Um, the idea that if so, if you're liberal and you're on social media, your feed they'll they'll show you that. They'll show you everything that's liberal. Then it'll be like crazy Trump and, you know, what's he doing next? And he's not wearing a mask at a thing and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to be outraged. And that's what brings you back to click. If you're right wing, it'll be like crazy liberals doing at it again. Right. And, and that's, and that's what they do. And so why this is so dangerous. And they've been talking about this for years. Um, you know, psychologists, you name it, there's a whole bunch of Ted talks on this. Why the echo chamber is so uh, dangerous is because it's, it's so polarizing. And we, we cannot solve big issues on our planet when the social media are not showing both sides of what's going on. They're just trying to get you to react right mm. now. So we can't even get proper news from them. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, after I got off social media, I got people saying, oh, you probably didn't see this yet, but um, this thing came out. I'm like, no, I saw it because I, I looked on the news. You know, I don't need to go on. You know, I get all the same news you get. I just look at the news. And then I know that it's not from some weird blog yeah. that was created for a campaign somewhere that we have no idea where it came from. Ah, the, the echo chamber is something that's a whole documentary in itself. And like you said, oh, TED Talks yeah. books have been written. And it's so important, especially in like the kind of work that I try to do. You can see it in the comments, man. Anything you say will start to polarize based on politics. Something that's medical, man, that ought to be beyond that. People just, you talk about masks. Oh my God, well, Trump said this. Well, wait a minute, hydroxychloroquine. So I actually had to do a show talking about everyone has their own moral matrix. It's a different flavors of taste buds with morality. And they will see the same news differently. And then it's compounded by the echo chamber so that you don't actually get exposed to ideas that challenge your unconscious beliefs. And that is very dangerous. It didn't used to be that way. I think cable news started it and then it got weaponized with social media and now it's codified. Um, and, and we have to, so my whole thing is now I make sure to click every type of news link I can. I don't care if it's Breitbart, Fox News, MSNBC, across the spectrum, knowing full well what the individual bias is and actually playing a game with myself. How are they going to spin this? And getting delighted when, say, a left-leaning uh, news outlet will actually show an angle that's a little more conservative and you're like, what? Or vice versa. Yeah. And you kind yeah. of want to share it and go, hey, can you believe this happened? <laughs> like people are actually going beyond the echo chamber. It's very rare, though. It is very rare, yeah. But, you know, I don't think, you know, I think I think it was Tristan Harris or someone talked recently about it. They, I know they have a film coming out at the end of the year about mm -hmm. it. It's kind of a thing. But they talk about how, you know, we can't even solve environmental problems because of this, you know. Because, you know, if we want to do something, one side believes this and one side believes this. Yeah. And so you're going to have this all the time, right? You can't. You can't really come to, uh, you can't really get the real information because it's always an agenda now. That's right. That's right. It's it's true about the environment. It's true about COVID nineteen lockdown versus not lockdown. Economy versus life versus. When did this become a political thing? We should just have rational discussions about the pros and cons because everything's a balance. All sides have some truth. So let's figure well, out. Going after medical experts now, like they're lying to you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
they're, they're doctors, you know, it's like, what do you, you know? And then you like have, you know, there are actual doctors who enjoy being part of that polar polarity, you know, like you have Dr. Drew mm -hmm. out there taking one side and then you have, uh, you know, say Sanjay Gupta taking a, a different tact and it's become even political with the talking heads. So, you know, it's always my challenge in my own work, getting very meta on it is how do you strike a balance between and knowing your own bias? Because mm -hmm. I have my own biases in both directions politically, and so it depends on the topic. So I, you know, if I do a piece on abortion, I have to be as authentic as I can while recognizing my own bias and saying, okay, here's the different thoughts. Guns, same thing. So whenever we talk about it, it's interesting. It isn't as polarizing as when you see the news or something talk about it, because we do try to incorporate different you know, versions of morality, how people see the world. It's, it's a challenge though, because you have to recognize your own bias, which means again, back to that whole theme, mindfulness, just being aware of what's going on. Yeah, and, and why we think the thoughts that we, we think and why do they come up and, and which ones do we grab a hold of? You know, are we grabbing a hold of something because we have anxiety or anger in us at that moment? Mm. Or maybe we haven't even eaten properly that day. You know what I mean? There's all sorts of things that affect our thoughts. And you know that when you start meditating and you start taking the time to sit back and watch those thoughts move, move through your head, you start seeing why they're coming up. Mm. You know, um, it, just depending, like, you know, I, I realized at one point I was having like, uh, tension and I get angry, but it's just my jaw was clenched, mm. you know? And I realized when I was meditating, which is to just release your jaw, mm. you know, just, just to let it, and as soon as I released my jaw, then my, my head cleared out. And it was this odd thing, like, like some small physical thing that is affecting your thought process. Absolutely. And the physical thing is a, is a, is an energy pattern you can just witness. You can be like, oh, look at that tension. Where where do I feel? Why do they call emotions feelings? Because you feel them physically somewhere, that tension in the jaw. For me, you know, I was just thinking I got some messages from people that are saying, I wish you wouldn't curse so much in your videos because I can't share them. And, and immediately I would get like tense and angry. And I'm like, how dare you tell me what to F and say on my show? And then I realized, oh, this is... How interesting. This is a recapitulation of my own value system, my value system of authority versus subversion. I always favor subversion. Their value system of sanctity versus degradation. Like they don't want this degrading language. It, it's almost a disgust response for them and they can't share it, but they like the content. So they're torn, so they write me a message. And how do I respond with, with clenched tension and defensiveness? Because it's somebody telling me what to do, which I don't like. So, but you have to be mindful of that instead of the immediate response which is, you sound like my dad, old man, shut up. You know, which I might've sent that email actually just a couple days ago. Uh, uh, but you know, it's you know, we released the film, right? And like we're getting a lot of reviews, and now we're getting really good reviews, which is great. But there's going to be the negative reviews mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And but you have to sit back and go, okay, well, at the end of the day, whatever you think is going on, we we all can't say that there's no problem with these devices and looking at them all the time. So as long as there's some kind of dialogue happening because of it, I'm happy. Yeah, I, I really don't care at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want the film to do well, and you know, people to like it. But if, if people start talking about it, I think that's what's important. Yeah. And that's an important distinction. You have to be a little bit fearless when putting this kind of stuff up because you will get hate. And I get it all the time oh, yeah. too. Yeah. And the thing is, it's our, our, we have a negativity, negativity bias as humans that we focus on negative because that's a threat as opposed to hearing all the positive and being elevated by it. We tend to hear the positive and discount it and focus on one or two negative comments that may have a, also a kernel of truth that we've worried about ourselves, right? Oh, maybe I am closed-minded about this or maybe I didn't balance it, you know, whatever it is. But but again, it's about being self-aware and watching 
what's going on in your mind that you can respond in a way that's wise instead of reactive. So well, there's, a, there's a, a, a review that came out just recently. I can't remember who did it about our film, but they start talking about Bill Hicks, you know, the comedian yeah. in it as well about how we talked about advertisers. And, but it, it made me think about Bill Hicks and how, you know, he had this great quote and, you know, I, I don't know the exact quote, but there's something about, you know, in any moment you can choose, you know, fear or love mm. in any moment. Right. So when you're feeling negative, you know, you about something, you don't have to go down that, that fear pathway. You can sit there and just kind of embrace it and go, okay, how do we look at the positive of this? Mm. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's a very important way to be. I think it's brilliant. It's becoming what I've heard uh, Tim Ferriss and others call it response able. So you're mm. actually able to see the trigger, the emotion, the thought, and then take a space and go, how am I going to, how am I going to play this? Cause right. I could do this two ways. And I think that brings it full circle to social media and devices. Devices take the mind out of the mindfulness. It's now a mindless sort of absorption in something that's really technically manipulating our mind. And so we become unconscious. And in that unconsciousness, we start reacting in a way that's not response able. And I think we could all do with a little more responsibility <laughs> in all that. And so I, you know, I, I got to say this, you know, thank you for doing this thing. Um, I, we've been shouting about this, but very in a very incoherent way. And, and to see it all put in a beautiful, well done documentary is really, really awesome because I think it's going to do a lot of good in the world. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on the show, man. Like, it's great. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of yours. So. Uh, and I'm terrified because I know what you do to documentaries. I was saying that to you before. Like, he's going to bring me on here and he's just going to pick my ass all over. I'm just a dad and a filmmaker. Be nice. Dude. No, I'm glad you like the film. And, uh, you know, we, you know, and I would have made it if I wasn't worried about my own kids and my own mental health. And it just, you know, and then I looked, you know, my family and, and my friends and you know, everyone around and parents just said, you know, this is something that needs to be told. Yeah. You, I would have almost wanted to do a real doctor watches screened out and just rip it a new one. Uh, the problem is the problem with you, John, is that, the, and this is a confirmation bias on my part. I was disarmed very quickly in your documentary by your own personalization of it in a way that wasn't self-aggrandizing uh, like sometimes it can happen with these documentaries. And I thought, I thought it was done, well done because I could put myself in your place and see my own experience with my kids. Now, that's a bias too. So I have that bias towards that kind of style of storytelling, but it worked well. And I think a lot of people will share that kind of understanding. I think the people, there are very few people that I think so profoundly disagree with this premise that they're going to shut it out purely emotionally. Um, and, and I think that's important. You know, what's funny is the thing I did about, uh, Facebook, um, social media bullying and girls, uh, I put on Facebook and it got millions of views and Facebook demonetized it. And hmm. I think it was because it was a direct attack on their entire platform. Uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. And uh, you know, they, I think they might've said, well, they didn't give a reason, but I was like, why did they demonetize this? It was interesting. So we do have to be aware too that there are incentives and we're only as good as our incentives. And if our business model says we gotta get eyeballs, then it's tough. I have to look at myself too, because it's real easy, low hanging fruit, right, John? You could have made your documentary a lot more sensationalistic and it would have right. gotten a lot more eyeballs, but you would have felt dirty and it wouldn't have done good in the world, but you would have you know, gotten a lot more engagement. And I'm in that same boat where I have to sacrifice engagement for trying to do the right thing. Well, you know, there's a, there was a point when we were making the film and people, other certain producers um, that were involved said, 
you know, pick the enemy, mm. go right into Facebook's office, barge mm. in there, get arrested, get arrested. Oh. I'm like, what's that going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go in there and the poor security guy that hates his job at Facebook, he's got to stand in that window all day. I'm going to go in there. We're going to put his face on camera or the receptionist. And then the comms person is going to come down and it's not going to bring any meaningful dialogue, mm. you know? And then everyone's, again, is going to start fighting. We're going to start polarizing. Like, why would we do what we're against in the actual documentary itself? Right. Yeah. You know, that was, that's really the right answer, you know, cause I, I, I've met with very high levels at Facebook and I have a lot of engagement with them because the people that I engage with at Facebook really genuinely talk to me like they want to do the right thing, especially in the healthcare space. They want right. to actually have a good impact. They want to get rid of all the fake stuff or at least make sure people understand that it's fake. And so I was impressed by their motivation. Again, they're not the business dev guys or whatever, but I think they're very good people. And so going in and getting yourself arrested, it doesn't do any good except for to continue the echo yeah. chamber of outrage. So that was another reason I was like, this is a documentary I can't take a crap on, which is unusual. Docs that do that, what what do they solve? They just they just create polarization at the end of the day. Like at the end of those docs, when they go confront someone saying, "Don't you feel bad? Don't you feel bad?" You know, wouldn't it be better to take that person and then say, "Why don't we go talk to them over here?" Yeah, you know, and then you ended up with a hug instead, you right. know, and some dialogue and saying we can bring these two sides together, right? You know, I, I think there's so many docs that are missing that. Um, you know, you know, bringing the left and the right together, bringing the polarized sides together and having a decent discussion. Because at the end of the day, we need to start having discussions about this sooner than later. Yeah, and uh, we don't even be making enemies at this point. Agreed. And again, it gets back to the, the whole seeing positive intent in people and just assuming that we have different ways to get to things and that sometimes people just aren't self-aware if they're causing harm. It doesn't necessarily mean they have malicious intent. So I love it. I love it. John, dude. What an, what an honor to talk to you. I'm so glad we could connect uh, because we share this passion about being mindful around devices and, and more than that, just being mindful in general. I love the way you did this documentary and I could learn a lot from how you tell stories in terms of how we try to communicate. So it's been a real freaking thrill, man. Oh, that's awesome. Well, again, thanks for having me on your show. I love your show and it was great to come on. Thanks for not kicking my ass. So. <laughs> next time, dude, do a documentary on, you know, like veganism oh, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want to do the diet one next story. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. We know those do real well on my show. Um, I love it, dude. All right. Thanks a lot. Z-Pack, um, please, please, please watch Screened Out. Um, when's it available, John? Today. Today. Watch on demand today. Um, yeah, uh, you know, iTunes, YouTube, all, the, all these different places. Perfect, Amazon. perfect. So I'll get this video out today on YouTube and our website and in the next couple of days on Facebook in a bottomless feed. And uh, you can check it out. It's going to be awesome. You guys definitely check it out. I It's hard to hold my attention for an hour and 10 minutes, and this documentary actually did it. Um, I want to thank John Hyatt for coming on the show. You guys, please share this video. And here's a call to action. Pick a couple hours a day to start and then see if you can expand it where it's screen free. Use the hashtag screen free whatever. I like Sunday because it's a good day when I'm not working as much and it's been transformative for us. I think we should be real mindful of what our kids are going through and think about their suffering that we may be creating a generation that's so anxious and unprepared for the real world because we're giving them something that we think is good and it actually has these untoward side effects that no one intended. So take it seriously. Think about it with your own kids. I love you guys and we we out. Peace.
Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, It just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.